Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone, this is Marty McDermott, the president of Franchise Interviews, and I can't start today's show without talking about the ISO 10002. You know, some people just love to complain, but companies have a responsibility to care. The International Organization for Standardization, ISO, has revised ISO 10002, the standard for complaint handling. This document enables organizations to foster a customer-focused environment, open the feedback, heightening their customer satisfaction. You can get the ISO 10002 standard from the American National Standards Institute, ANSI, the U.S. member body of ISO. Visit ANSI.org forward slash complain to learn more. That's ANSI.org forward slash complain to learn more. Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Welcome to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now, welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews. <laughs> Julie, can can we talk a little bit about you know, your background as a writer, you know, and how you, you know, I'm always interested in finding out how people got involved in franchising. Um, I got involved in franchising by default. I was, I'm a freelance writer. I was working for the Chicago Tribune, the Wall Street Journal, and a publication called Crane's Chicago Business. They decided to start a franchise magazine, which they eventually sold to John Hamburger in Minneapolis, and it is Franchise Times. So they asked me to join that staff, and that's how I got involved. Fantastic. Interesting. Why why did you write the book, uh, Julie, uh, Franchise Times Guide to Selecting, Buying, and Owning a Franchise? What was the purpose uh, behind that? Um, Through the years, I've interviewed hundreds of franchisees, and most of them are happy and prosperous and glad they got into it. But I've also interviewed people who said, buying this franchise was the worst mistake of my life. Wow, that's interesting. And I wrote the book for that second group to help them evaluate whether they should have been a franchisee in the first place and to help them make a reasoned decision about a franchise purchase. That's interesting. So you got a lot of great stories. You know, Don and I have been doing the radio show, Julie, for uh, just a little over a year now. I mean, and I just think of all the stories that we've had, you know, since doing the show. I can't imagine all the stories that you have, you know, because you've been, you know, in this industry for such a long time now. Uh, I imagine I, I, I could... And you, you could talk our ears off, you know, as far as the worst <laughs> stories you have. And, and, and the book really shows that, you know. I mean, a lot of times you can't put it down. As, as you know, Don and I were just talking about the uh, Allegra story, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's fascinating. Very and I called all those franchisees their reports from the trenches at random. Really? Yes, That's well, <laughs> almost at random. That's I called franchise yeah. companies sure. and said, I want to talk to somebody articulate. But right. then you don't want them to give you their best franchisee. Absolutely. So I'd say a state. Somebody articulate and say, Texas. Right. And then they'd have to come up with someone to talk That's to. That's great. 
we have do you to do think, that, Julie, um, you know, a lot of times people on the other side of di- didn't have the great experience investing in a franchise, you think uh, a big reason for that was their lack of due diligence initially and, you know, rushing to make a decision going into that franchise? I know there's a, you know, uh, several reasons, but that probably is a big one, right? Absolutely. In fact, often I'll say, well, how many franchisees did you call from right. the system before you opened? Oh, one or two. Or I walked into one and it seemed to be going well. Um, in my book, I suggest that you call 60 franchisees. Yeah, from I remember that. Yeah. That's something Marty and I are, really stress a lot, uh, you know, on the show. As, as we're talking to people and, uh, you know, to really, uh, you know, do their due diligence, speak to franchisees, you know, remind, uh, you know, remind them about the UFOC and that all the franchisees are listed in that book and, you know, just make sure everything's 100% go and that, and, and that you don't rush into things. I mean, it's so important. I mean, this is, you know, Marty, you brought it up. It becomes like a marriage to the franchise. It's something you're going to be doing for a while. Just make sure you're making the right decision. Absolutely. Uh, what changes have you seen in franchising over the last 15 years, Julie? Well, when I started going to franchise conventions, it was really a good old boy network. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the franchises were started by white men, and when they found, when they selected franchisees, they, uh, my friend Everett Wallace says, they fished from the same pond. Right. Right. Today, a lot of franchises are owned by corporations and private equity groups, and we're beginning to see female and minority franchisees. Mm. Um, When I interviewed the first African-American couple who joined Alpha Graphics maybe 10, 12 years ago, the woman said, when we go to a convention, everybody knows who we are. Nowadays, I don't think that's true. When you go to a convention, you do see a diversity of faces. Right, absolutely. Yeah, definitely, Julie. I help people nationwide franchise financing, and um, I see all you know different uh, you know ages of people, and um, you know women, minorities, you know veterans, uh, you know across the board. It's uh, you know that's really you know you're right. I, I I agree with you on that. There's been a big change there. Right. There's so many more women today. Too, Julie, you know, I guess, you know, Don and I have noticed since we've been doing this, which is a great thing, you know, it's, uh, to see that, you know, and just also the, the, the shows are, are fantastic, Julie, you know, I'm always amazed at the, uh, number of, like, new concepts that come about every year, you know, I think it gets overwhelming, you know, I think you might have referenced that in the book, you know, for someone looking to buy a franchise, I mean, there's this, it was a 2,500, 3,000 concepts to choose from, you know, where do you begin, you know, it, it, it is, it's mind-boggling. And there are always some odd ones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there are, which I'm sure you've come across, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. in your experience. Yeah, we were just at Franchise Expo South, and the most unusual one was Elijah, Eliza J. And he hmm. is providing upscale porta potties to really and other events. Interesting. I mean, they're organizing wow. everything, uh, you know, these days. And hey, if it's if it's profitable and if it, if it's a system, it makes it easier for someone to invest in the business. It's been proven, you know, why not? Uh, basically, right. Uh, yeah. What else? Uh, you know, besides, you know, you mentioned uh, the, the different types of people, the diversity, large corporations. You know, what other changes, uh, you know, have, have you seen in your experience? Um, I think fr- franchising is getting a lot more professional. 
Mm. It used to be that franchisees were mom and pop operators. They owned one, maybe two fast food restaurants or lube shops. Now franchisees can own hundreds of units. Right. And they're running it like right. a business. Um one franchisee I interviewed here, Chuck James, owns I think thirty four Burger Kings and he says it's like running thirty four different one to two million dollar businesses. Wow, that's incredible. He has an MBA from Wharton. Um right. and a lot of people with um Good business skills are getting involved now. Interesting. Right. Also, a lot of people who own another type of business, keeping that and then investing in a franchise. And a lot of people going into franchising or going into it knowing they want to start up or signing three-store deals or mm-hmm. multiple deals as opposed to just opening up one and then seeing what happens. That's probably another big change. Uh, that's a big change that I don't like at all. Mm. I feel there are too many people who go into franchising, then at the last minute – I write a lot about Discovery Day and how that's right. an emotional high. And during Discovery Day, and they sign, they're so sure they're going to be a success. Instead of just buying one franchise, they buy right. three or sign on to develop an entire state. Right, right, right. I believe they should open that first franchise, devote all their time and energy to it, and see how it works. That's and if they're doing well, then expand. But if you're if you're a novice to franchising and you have to develop a huge territory by selling units to other franchisees, it's a setup for failure. You're not going to make it. And that's what I liked about your book too, Julie. I, you know, found even one of the quotes, you know, on on the back cover saying you're brutally honest when you talk about franchising. You know, uh, you don't paint like this rosy picture. You know, it's. Uh, uh, that's very interesting. Has, has your, oh, go ahead, Don. I was just going to uh, also add, you, know, you, you started going into a little bit, Julie, but as far as who are today's franchisees, you know, is there anything else you wanted to add to that? We know about the diversity and, um, you know, people looking to, you know, the, uh, um, really a, a different type of investor. You, you know, what else has changed in that uh, category as well? Uh, we're seeing a lot more corporate dropouts or early retirees, people with Solid backgrounds in business or sales getting involved in franchising. Um, A lot of former teachers are buying these tutoring centers or after-school art programs. Right. Um, But there's a little bit of everybody. There are pilots and nurses and PR specialists. And my favorite from the book is the woman who owns a honey-baked ham franchise. Mm -hmm. She used to work in a dolphin show. Yeah. He was the one who held the fish in her mouth. <laughs> right, right. That's incredible. It's a great well, story. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what's interesting about franchising. You can really not, you know, not have any type of background in that specific type of franchise you end up investing in. Right. And um, you know, we've had some franchise consultants on the show, Julie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something Marty and I really, you know, believe in a lot. Is you know, people getting as much help as possible to make sure they're making the right decision. Because a lot of people. Might like you know we, we we always bring it up Marty hey I like donuts I'll I'll open up a Dunkin' Donuts right? oh <laughs> that's a big one <laughs> bad idea absolutely but uh yeah that, you know that's you know I guess that's what's fueling the growth of franchising is is you know the way that the franchise or sets up the system really you know most people can have you know success 
in, in that business as long as they have the passion and work hard and all the things, you know, what the franchisor uh, looks for before they okay them. Right. Yeah, so you'd probably agree with that, right, Julie? Um, I do. Although, when I was first exposed to franchising way back 15 years ago, I felt that the system was tipped much too far in the direction of the franchise or. Right. And I wondered how anyone could sign on as a franchisee because right. you put up all the money, you take all the risk, and you have to pay your franchise or a royalty once a month whether right. you've made any profit or not. Absolutely. But through the years, I've seen that it's really a pretty even balance and that all those right. rules and regulations are there to benefit the entire system. That's interesting. So has your attitude about franchising changed, Julie, since you started this, you know, getting involved in this like 15 years ago? Yes, it certainly has changed. I would say I am far more sympathetic to franchisors who might be getting into a little bit of trouble. Right. I can understand that they are working hard to help their franchisees make money. Right. Interesting. And as for the systems, there's a great story from Becky Courtjohn mm -hmm. in the book. Um, she's an express personnel franchisee in Dayton, Ohio. And she says, follow the system. If the procedures manual said to write all reports with my left hand in red ink on Monday through Wednesday and with my right hand in black ink on Thursday and Friday, I'd do it. I will follow everything because it works. That's very powerful. I mean, that really describes franchising in a nutshell, Julie. Doesn't it? Absolutely. That that kind of reminded me, Marty, of that. Uh, uh, who was the client we had on? You know, was we that, had, yeah, Julie. We had um, a Liberty Tax. We had one of uh, Liberty Tax's most um, successful franchisees on the show, mm -hmm. and he basically said the same thing. He said he wasn't a creative person. Um, you know, all he wanted to do was just, you know, follow the system. Right. And that's why he became the, one of the most successful franchisees <laughs> for Liberty Tax. That's all he did. He said he just, I, all I did was what they told me to do, and I achieved this great success, you know. Um, yeah, he said it with the attitude, his whole attitude was like, just, you know, just tell me what I have to do. Kind of like mm -hmm. the, what, what you were just bringing up with, with that particular story, Julie. And that was his whole right. attitude. He was, tell me what to do. I'll do it. I'll work hard. And he's, you know, doing quite well. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. It's often, if you talk to a franchisor and say, why did that franchisee fail? He'll always say, well, he didn't follow the system. Mm, absolutely. Which may, of course, that may or may not be true. But. Right, right, absolutely. Julie, what types of characteristics do you think make successful franchisees? Well, you were talking about one of the big ones, which is being hardworking. Right. And I think that's very important. You have to be enthusiastic about the business. You have to mm -hmm. create an excitement before the business opens. I you have agree. to go through your community, tell them you're opening up, and get them in there the first day. Absolutely. Um, you have to be able to hire, discipline, and motivate employees. There are personality tests that franchisors give franchisee candidates. Right. And when I took all three, I flunked them. Isn't <laughs> that something? <laughs> on, on this very point, because they said I'd be too empathetic to my franchisee, to my employees, right. and they'd walk all over me. That's so something. That's a very important point. 
You have to have good communication skills. You have to be talking up your franchise all the time. Right. You have to have a sense of humor. Sure. And I'll go back to Becky Cordjohn, who said that um, she had an angry client call her up and say, that young lady you sent over here to work is painting her toenails at our reception desk. And Becky didn't miss a beat. She said, what color? (laughs) (laughs) That's great, isn't it? Isn't that perfect? You have to roll with the punches. Absolutely. (laughs) That's great. And also, as you said before, you have to be well capitalized. So many franchises have to close in that first year because they don't have the money to keep going. True. Yeah, I come across that every day as we're pre-qualifying people for financing, Julie, and you know, a lot of times we're trying to tell people uh, to sometimes not fund the whole business themselves. They'll never be as strong a bar as they are now. Kind of leverage yourself, get that working capital, which, which is a nice part of getting a loan. So you have that first three to six months of expenses paid for, but that happens a lot. People don't want to get a business loan. They finance it themselves, and six months later, they're looking around for money. And right, right. Don't true. drain your house of home equity now. Right. Wait right. until you need it to make payroll. Absolutely. So you, uh, you know, going back to, to a previous question, um, uh, I just wanted to know the growth uh, of franchising. You feel... Uh, a big part of that is basically overall more more protection for the franchisee between the UFOC, the franchise agreement, and with, with a lot of uh, you know groups and you know, associations protecting the franchisee. Is that a big part of this, Julie? I think that in the franchisee legal community, we have a great number of attorneys who are ready to sue franchisors right. when franchisees right. feel exploited. Interesting. Or gypped. I <laughs> just something sure. that they deserve. Right, absolutely. Right, it's a very good point. It is. Uh, and uh, it possibly talk a little bit, Julie, about the whole, you know, I've seen a lot of franchisors from different countries come to the U.S., vice versa. I guess international uh, you know, franchising has, you know, become real popular. You go to the franchise shows and there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, people walking around, you, you know, looking to grow that franchise internationally. I guess that's been another big change in franchising. Uh, we are seeing a lot of foreign systems coming into the U.S. There was a franchise from Spain at Franchise Expo a couple of weeks ago. Oh, really? Trying Interesting. To drum up uh, business in the States. There are fast food franchises that have come up from Mexico mm-hmm. and Latin America, and they already have customers here because so many people have immigrated from those countries. That's true. makes a lot of sense. Good point. Absolutely. What advice, Julie, would would you give to an aspiring entrepreneur looking to buy a franchise? Well, buy the book. Yes. <laughs> it has <laughs> 290 pages of advice. Um, I think if I had to narrow it down to a few things, I'd say do serious due diligence on whatever concept you're looking at. Check out the franchise system. Check out the people running the company. Sometimes with a little bit of research, you can find that one of the executives was in bankruptcy with another franchise concept just a couple of years ago. That's incredible. Um, definitely um, 
I would say, and this, you know, this is going to make some people a little angry. I would say stay away from new franchise systems. Mm -hmm. If there are 30 or fewer units, don't do it. Right. The risk is much greater than the reward. Absolutely. And then finally I'd reiterate, buy one unit. Don't buy a state. You're never going to succeed. Yeah, that's interesting. We've never heard that before, Don, have we? You know, I mean, right. a lot of uh, the guests that we've had on the show, you know, always talking about multi-unit, multi-unit, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I like what Julie said, you know, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, you know. Uh, why? Definitely. Just start off with the one unit and see if it works for you. I mean, Go slow, just make sure you're happy, be successful yeah. at that place, then think about expansion. And as long as you have some protection from the franchise, or I guess that's why a lot of people, they're, they're they're, they're they're scared that once they're, they like the business, Julie, and and and, and they're having success, that right. that their options for expansion will be limited because they didn't act early. It, it, it always puts the franchising in kind of a tough position. It does, but I've just known too many franchisees who felt squeezed into a corner. Right. These area development agreements have a tight schedule. You have to open one store, and then within a couple of years, open five more yourself right. or fr find franchisees to report to you and open them. And a lot of those schedules are unrealistic, even right. for seasoned business people. Right. It's interesting. So, um, you know, just taking a step back a little bit, Julie, you know, people listening to the show right now, and they're getting great advice from you, and they've been listening to franchise interviews, and they're like, you know, so I'm, I'm hearing a lot of great stuff about franchising, and um, you know, there's magazines, books, trade shows, Internet. You know, what would you suggest starting out? You know, what should they do? What, what, what's the best thing to do to lead them uh, to the, the, the franchise that, that, that's the right fit for them? Like, what would you suggest? Um, I suggest picking up a directory or looking at an online directory to see which businesses are franchises. And then right. go out into your community and walk into these places. And see if you can see yourself there. Right. Could you be behind the counter of a sub shop? Could you be making signs? Um, right. I think a lot of franchise dreams would be nipped right there. Right. Um, then see what, if you like franchising, see what concepts you're comfortable with. And understand the best franchise for that concept might not even be in your area. Right. Then I suggest that you start reading business magazines, women's magazines, to see what other franchise companies might be out there. Contact everybody on your email list. Um, the couple that opened the Cookies by Design franchise never yeah. even knew about it in my book until the franchisee's sister sent a catalog up from Texas and said, well, we have this great franchise. Why don't you check it out? I think the mistake people make is that they jump much too soon. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. We had one Yeah, we had one system on the show, Julie, uh, Aaron's uh, Sales and Lease, and they make their um, uh, prospective franchisees actually work in the store for three weeks before they can make a decision. You know, they, and we... Don and I always thought that was fantastic, you know, because how do you know unless you actually do it, unless, as you said, you know, you're actually in the place, you're just watching what's a typical day like, you know. Um, so I think that's so important. So I think that's great advice. 
Right. Um, the Mako franchisee I interviewed, who was a highway patrolman, mm -hmm. spent a couple of months working for another Mako franchisee before he went to training. And he said that was terrific because Absolutely. every time they mentioned something in training class, he knew why it was important. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, you you mentioned before, and, and uh, you know people listening might not know what it is, but a lot of you know, you know just about all f uh, franchisors probably I, I don't know a statistic on it, but uh, they have discovery days. You know why do you feel you know discovery days are so great for for a franchisee, Julie? Discovery days let you see the inside of a franchise company. You spend at least a day in headquarters. You get to meet all the executives. You get to meet the IT person who will help you when your computer system goes down, the marketing woman who will help you get your store open. Um, uh, and you can see if there are holes in a franchise. Um, in the book, I say that most of the franchise headquarters I have visited are kind of ordinary places. A lot of them are in industrial parks. Right. Uh, if you go to a discovery day at a really posh office and it's a new franchise company, I'd worry about their priorities, whether they're going to have the money to support me later. Sure. And most important, you get to meet other people who are also looking at the franchise. You can Get hear their thoughts, yeah. Right. Get their thoughts, see what their questions are. And you can ask questions like, how long would it take? To get my unit open, what parameters do you have for location? Um, can I talk to people who have open units in a community similar to mine? What help can they give me? Um, it can also be pretty beguiling. In the book, I talk about going to a discovery day at Cousin Subs in Wisconsin just because they were nearby, and I could drive there. And by the end of Discovery Day, I was ready to buy a sub shop myself. <laughs> Very convincing. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I mean, all that, I mean, certainly great advice. We never really talked about that, Marty. Someone just, hey, go to some of your local fr franchises and just, you know, hang out there a little while. You know, right. see if you like. Uh, yeah, so, Julie, say someone gets to the point, okay, they, you know, they've done all this, and they say, hey, for example, a signed franchise. That, you know, that seems pretty interesting to me. And they uh, go find a list of some of the top signed franchises, and, and they get the information, and they speak to them. And then, then they get that UFOC, the circular oh. box, which is very intimidating. They get it. A first-time person, never owned a business before, they, the franchisor, by law, has to send it to that prospect. They get it. You know, what do you suggest they do at that point? It's, <laughs> it's, a, good, it's a great question, right? <laughs> oh, um, a lot of advice says call an attorney right away right. to go through it. But your ordinary attorney doesn't know about UFOCs. Right. You really have to talk to a franchisee attorney. And in the book, I tell you how to find them. If you get five UFOCs, you're not going to pay a couple thousand dollars for attorneys to go through them. So right. I tell you to look at a few of the highlights. Um, watch out for brand new franchise companies that haven't sold any units. Right. 
uh, check out the business experience of the franchise ors. They usually this they usually do capsule biographies of the CEO, the CFO, the head of franchise operations. Check them out. Go to the internet. Right. These people have been in jail or in bankruptcy or right. have been fired from another franchise system. Go to item three, which is litigation, and see if a lot of lawsuits have been filed against this particular franchise company. And if there's a pattern, if a lot of franchisees have sued them because they felt they didn't get adequate support or they were paying too much for their products, go to someone else right away. Right. That's what I like about the UFOC section, Julie. You know how you, uh, in the book, you, you, you had the section what to watch out for. You know, I thought it made mm -hmm. it easy for someone new to franchising, you know, to, 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 to kind of identify the importance to be careful of, you know. So it's just very easy to read as well, you know. Well, that's what we aim for because I, when I started out, I found UFOCs terribly intimidating too. Sure. Uh, I mean, you know, we've just been talking now for a little while. You know, you know obviously, you're, you're just very, um, uh, you know, high on, on on franchising. But what are you know a couple of the top reasons you know you like most about franchising, Julie? Um, I'd say the franchisees. I love going into a franchise when the franchisee is just opening up, and she's so proud of her new premises and will show me around. This is the oven or the storeroom. Right, right. And You're probably brimming with confidence, too, going through training. and Yes. Yeah. And then check back with them a couple years later and see how well they are doing. Right. And I've noticed that the franchisees with the most confidence, the ones with maybe a little chutzpah who say, oh, in a few years I'll own three units right. or six vans, they're the ones that usually do it. Right. That's something. Do you think a lot of those people had confidence before choosing a franchise? Do you really think they got a lot of that from the whole experience of starting uh, I think it's probably on? in their personalities to begin with. Right. I think negative people have trouble no matter what they do. Looks like we'd have a lot of success in franchising, Marty. There you go. Oh, you two are so enthusiastic. Thank you. <laughs> Why is Franchise Times the leading franchise magazine, Julie? Because we approach franchising from a journalistic vantage point. Right. Um, we have real reporters writing the articles. Right. And we do have columns written by attorneys and consultants, but we feel they're the best attorneys and consultants. Yeah, it's so informative, Julie. You know, I mean, this is one, I don't know about you, Don. I mean, for me, I can read Franchise Times, though, from cover to cover, you know, from cover to back cover. You know, I mean, it's just really, it, it's it's that informative. I always look forward to getting it, you know, every single month. And uh, oh yeah, the day I get it, I'm reading it. My wife gets angry. I'm at the dinner table with our twins. I got twins, Julie, three and a half, and oh, and great. I'm sitting there reading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and my wife gets mad when I, when I read at the dinner table or afterwards as we're getting oh, you ready. Oh, re do that. Um, <laughs> I think one thing that adds to Franchise Times is um. The personality that our editor, Nancy Weingartner, has given it. Yeah, she's great. She yeah. has a funny column in the back. She and has. it's hard to read the news in the front until you've read that. 
Yeah, I loved her last one, too. She was talking about, uh, I think the last one I was reading, Julie, was about Sunset Tan or something like L.A. Sunset Oh, yeah. Just fantastic. You know, she was talking about going into the clubs and uh, I just, it, as you said, it's their personality, you know. Mm-hmm. It just shines through in their writing, you know, and you feel like you know them. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, Nancy did a nice article on the show, as a matter of fact, in the November-December issue, Julie. I don't know if you read that. I did see it. Yes. She did, yeah. She wrote a great article on us, yeah. But it was just, uh, uh, you, you just kind of like get a feel for her personality, you know. And the same thing with, uh, was it Mary Jo? Uh, oh, Mary Jo, last like Yeah, you feel like you know her, you know, talking about her family and her kids and things like that, you know. It's just, uh, uh, and she relates it to franchising, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just fantastic. They, they just do such a great job over there. So and we'll Don see them at the franchise show coming up in D.C. in April, so we look forward to that. Oh, oh, we certainly do. I'm putting on a seminar. Are you really? Oh, yes. great. Well, we're gonna have to. I, gonna, I was Don and I were upset because we didn't get autographed copies uh, of uh, of our book, Julie. So we're gonna have to bring our <laughs> oh, book, get you, know, you to autograph it for us. I I had them sent out from Minneapolis. That's what we thought. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna bring I'm my book with sorry. me when I go to D.C. and you have to promise to sign it for me. I certainly will. What's the best way to get the book, Julie? I know it, you're all over the internet now. I did a search on you the other day in the book, and it looks like it's on like it's all over the place. But what's the best? Is there one best way to get it? Or well, I'd love it if people would walk into a Barnes and Noble and ask for it. Okay, great. Um, however, it is on available at BarnesandNoble.com, and of course, okay. it's on Amazon and all the other websites. Okay, great. We actually have it posted up on our website, franchiseinterviews.com, as well. There's a nice banner up there oh, uh, under our you. yeah under our franchise book section. And Don and I are going to constantly plug this book, Julie, because again, we we just think it's really fantastic. I haven't seen a book like this, in, and you know, we've read a lot of them as well. I think we've read all of them, just about up to this point. So it's just you just did such a great job. So it's an honor for us to have you on the show. Why, thank you very much. Thanks, Julie. And we're going to have to have you back in the near future. Okay. Thank you. you. Coming up on segment two, you're going to hear what every franchisepreneur needs to know before buying a franchise. We're going to play a clip from our popular Great Quotes in Franchising podcast right here on Franchise Interviews. Franchisers, are you looking to reach aspiring entrepreneurs looking to buy a franchise? Are you looking to reach a highly educated audience on franchising? For over eight years, Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship through our website, FranchiseInterviews.com, where you can hear and read interviews as well as get tips from some of the most successful sources in franchising. Our weekly franchise radio show where each week you get to hear a new interview with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts and attorneys, and our podcast, Great Quotes in Franchising. For more information, go to FranchiseInterviews.com or call us at 610-905-2919. That's 610-905-2919. Hi, everyone. This is Marty McDermott from Franchise Interviews, and welcome to another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising. For each podcast, you get to hear a great quote in franchising. You know, we've been hosting franchise interviews now over eight years and over 400 shows, and during that time, we've had some incredible quotes on our show. Today, you're going to get to hear from Chris Simic, who is the founder of FranchiseTeacher.com, and Chris has over 30 years of business and franchise experience as an independent business owner, a franchisee, 
and a franchisor. And Chris said something very profound that we haven't heard on our show in over eight years. He mentioned that you have to almost work harder to fail at franchising than to succeed in franchising. And he explains why. Most people, about 90% I think I've seen, buy a business other than they first looked at. Wow, that's amazing. So that's it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's a big number, too, isn't it, Chris? You know, that you know, most people, they go in with these certain expectations and they come out with, with, with something different, you know, and, and I find that fascinating. I absolutely, it, it never ceases to astound me, but I think that speaks to the, to the, uh, the value of franchising as a, as a business model and a business method because right. people don't have to uh, be in something just because they know it. And quite candidly, sometimes getting involved in a business that you would rather do that you were not involved in allows you the, the luxury of taking uh, a new career path and to develop something you never would have had the opportunity to had it not been you know, systematized and prioritized for you. You know, in franchising it's said that you have to really almost work harder to fail than to succeed because if you have a good franchise system, right. you follow directions, you have to almost purposely not follow them to not do well. That's true. That's fantastic. We have this this great quote in franchising. I, I think we're going to put that one in there, Chris. I, I think that's very original and, and it's it's very true. What advice would you give to our listeners? You know, we find that most of them they're just beginning their search to buy a franchise, Chris. And we find that you know most of them just simply they, they don't even know where to begin. Like you were saying, what advice would you give to them? I, I do, um, when I speak to people looking at franchise, I, I give them three different pieces of advice. One, make sure you're looking for business for the right reason. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people have things happen in their life. They lose a job or something happens, and they react and, and maybe say, well, okay, maybe I'll go buy a business. That may not be the, the reason to do it versus having the luxury of selectivity that here's my opportunity that was yeah. created by some adversity. Second thing is that they have to make sure that they are – able to be franchisees, uh, that not everybody is designed to be able to, to follow the systems, procedures, and, 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 the, and the processes it takes to be a successful franchise owner. And then I tell them quite candidly is pick a couple of the industries and the price ranges uh, that, that may have interest to you and then kind of pin down from there, either using the resources of a, uh, a consultant or a, bro- or a broker or, or a team member or, or on their own, either way. But I think that if they, if they take their time, follow the steps, and do it for the right reasons, uh, they'll be on a much smoother pathway uh, to, to success in, in, in owning their own business. That's well said. What's what's in the future then for a franchise teacher, Chris? I mean, where do you see the company three to five years down the road? Well, Marty, we've been uh, extremely fortunate, and blessed that the the business has 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 been around, you know, through Century Franchise Group for many years. And our new franchise teacher dot uh, com has, has taken off. We're representing right now, uh, you know, seven uh, plus brands. I think in five years, our our focus will really be even more fine tuned. As the as the consumer or the prospective uh, business owner is looking for more and more specific information, breaking down to teach, coach, consult, and advise, I oh. think will be um, will be a way for us to assist people in what they need. You know, people again don't know what they don't know, but right. I think information overload. Uh, sometimes discourages people too early. They say, I, this is too much for me to process. Mm. If we can break it That's down true. into bite-sized pieces, I think more and more people, especially the younger generation, who are looking for the advice 
and the information they want when they want it, I think is you know going to do nothing more than uh, continue. Then our next business venture, which launches at the end of this year, uh, will is looking to capture all the different franchise brands around the world and put them into one place. So it's, it's we're, we're we're looking forward to uh, a future. And franchising is going nowhere but growing. You know, as you right not a long time too. The number of franchise opportunities and the world's getting to be a smaller place. I think you're going to find a yeah. lot. Of Opportunities coming in and going out of of different marketplaces in different countries uh, accessible to more people. That's fantastic. What's the best way, Chris, for our listeners to get <clears throat> more information on FranchiseTeacher.com? Obviously, FranchiseTeacher.com, but any numbers you'd like them to call or email addresses? Well, actually, I, I, we appreciate uh, you know www.FranchiseTeacher.com. And okay. my, my business partner, Dave, and I offer them the free one-hour consultation. Fill out the form oh, and great. take advantage of it. That's fantastic. I want to thank you again, Chris, for you know finally coming on the show. You know, it, it, I've been following your career for a long time now. You know, and I have just been very impressed with with, with everything that you've done. You know, so when I, when I saw this, I, I mentioned to you we don't typically um, call people to come on the show. You know, but but I had to have you specifically on the show. So it was an honor and a privilege to have you on the show today, Marty Ditto. And again, congratulations on your um, uh, PhD, Doctor. I have read your thesis and I would recommend it reading if people can get oh, through that's uh, information. I really appreciate that you read it too because that, that, that's an honor coming from you so that's fantastic. Well I want to thank you again Chris thank and we'll you. be right back with more franchise interviews. Franchise interviews from Eastern Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 